Welcome to T-Smack, home of the T-Smack. May I take your order? Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Talking Smack, where we talk superheroes, movies, animation, and comics. I am your host, Josh Scar, and joining me this week is Alex. Alex, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Excited to be here, um, back in the co-host position. <laughs> yeah, trying to cover up your coup. Oh, yeah. Didn't work too well. And joining us this week is Justin Henson from the Movie Wire podcast. Justin, welcome back. Thanks. Hey, Josh, Alex. Good to have, be back. Thank you for having me. Hello, frequent co-host. Hello, <laughs> Alex. <laughs> wow, he didn't even reciprocate. Mm. Alex, I love you. Thank you for having me back. <laughs> oh, you're welcome, Justin. You know I care deeply about you. That's why I send you Rocketeer gifts. <laughs> <laughs> so, Justin, you run a, a podcast called The Movie Wire, which you can feel free to let us know what the the whole shebang is about. Yeah, I mean, weekly we do about a 30, 40 minute little uh, tidbit on a rundown of hot releases that come out that week or the prior week. And the intent is to just open up discussions on movies, not to go into a huge deep dive, but to give my opinion to hopefully open up that dialogue before or even after the movie, spoiler free, and uh, just have some fun with it. So yeah, it's a great show. Everybody should take a listen. I wholeheartedly agree. <laughs> Appreciate it, it. It takes me back to the days of when I would watch Siskel and Ebert and then eventually Siskel and Robert or was it Sis- Roper? No, Roper and e- Roper and Ebert mm-hmm. or Ebert yep. and Roper. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it just takes me back to the, those days where you, you listen to these get to someone break down a movie and give their thoughts, opinions, scores. And uh, you have a, a, an infrequent guest, which makes things so much fun. Oh, young Brooklyn. Yes. The future <laughs> of the show, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> a family empire. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Brooklyn loves doing it. She uh, loves the attention. So she is uh, one of my shining stars in this house. As as much as she doth protest. <laughs> yeah. She'll deny it up and down. <laughs> so before we dive into this week's episode with Creed, um, I'm bringing back a segment that has been absent for a while because uh, recently there was some news that broke where uh, there was uh, a casting announcement for an animated feature that just drove me up a wall. And also while I was sitting in for this week's movie, uh, I just, that Nicole Kidman promo. I will get get more into this. I'm going to try and keep it short, but Star Wars is back y'all. And I am going to bring some heat. So cue that Star Wars theme music, future Josh, who's editing. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Go. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to start with the AMC thing because dear God, it is too long. If you're going to make me sit through something, make it entertaining, not just like self-flagellating. And also AMC, if you are going to be showcasing these theaters with those recliner seats and just the, the, I don't even know how you, how you would describe it other than that. But like I'm sitting in a theater, I have two theaters locally. Either one has seats that are about 30 years old at this point. And while the, the, the spacing is nice, 
update the seats at least like don't showcase the shit that you're not going to bring to my area cue the the what who what the hell's his name kevin garnett from the the celtics and the the weird adam sandler diamond movie like why would you show me this if i can't have it don't and, and like what the fuck is up with nicole kidman's suit like why why is she wearing barney stinson's diamond studded suit from how i met your mother like <laughs> no if she's trying to be like a relatable person in this moment she's not no one's going to a theater in a three-piece suit and six inch heels in a diamond studded suit like no and give me those fucking seats in my in my cinema if you want me to pay the money that i'm paying to go to your theaters give me nicer seats you you've got a bullshit bar that i'm not gonna go to plus if anyone eats chicken fingers in a theater you're dead to me get it out of there it stinks pizza like i'm i'm half on like if it's a personal size pizza before the show whatever nachos okay but chicken fingers no i love chicken fingers get those the fuck out of the theater alex you wanted to chime in on the amc thing (laughs) that promo is now over three years old because it's amc 100 we make movies better i am over that promo I don't know when trailers it went from about the 15 minute mark to about the 27 minute mark. But anyway, Ant-Man 28 minutes before the movie started, including the Nicole Kidman thing. Um, Cocaine bear was 29 minutes. I showed up 24 minutes late to my Creed showing still saw two trailers and the Nicole Kidman thing. I had like 32 minutes of trailers. I looked, I went to a 7:45 show and I looked at my clock and it was eight 17. And the trailer was like still running. I think we had just gotten to the Nicole Kidman thing. Yeah, I I am. I am over it. I'm over the length. AMC. Yes. In theory, you make movies better, but those recliners are not in my theater. The bar, you cannot take the alcohol outside of that little four by four cage that they put you in where you have to go there. And I'm you're making me show up to a two o'clock showing. And if you want me to drink, that means that I have had to show up. 15 minutes before the movie has started because I've showed about 20 minutes early to get through the line, to get to the, to get to the bar, to get my drink, to power down my drink in my jail cell, to then wander at two o'clock to see 20 to 30 minutes of trailers to then watch a two and a half hour movie. And I've lost three hours of my day. This needs to stop. I'm done with this crap. Josh, you're muted. (laughs) Speaking of drinks. Thank you. Speaking of drinks, those, Promos also were like, welcome to AMC celebrating 100. If you like these trailers, go to the AMC app. Not right now, though. They they show like a, a glass glass, like a, a pint glass of, of soda with someone like, I don't want that in my theater. Why are you even advertising that in your theaters? Like, just have the weird guy who's eating popcorn like no human actually eats popcorn. Just use that guy <laughs> and have him use the paper cup with the weird not paper straws that they have now. I don't even know what kind of straws they have, but like that entire thing, like we just sued some movie about Ana de Armas not being in the movie, but she was in the trailer. I think it was yesterday. Can we sue AMC for advertising shit? They don't put in their theaters. One hopes we live in a major metropolitan. Yeah. We live in a major metropolitan area of about 350,000 people. There are two theater options within 40 minutes of us. They are both AMCs. They have both not been upgraded, and they're both the fake IMAX. 
Do you well, no, the one, need... only one has the, the fake IMAX. The other one oh, doesn't even right. have an IMAX. That's true. I am done with the trailers. I am seeing Scream 6 on Thursday. I already bought the tickets, and I told my friend who's going with me, we are showing up to the 6 o'clock showing at 6.25. Yep, because I'm done plan. with the shit. <laughs> Alright, so Star Wars Part 2 Electric Boogaloo. They just announced the voice cast list for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem, which by all accounts looks awesome. But cast fucking voice actors in your animated features, please. Variety released the the cast list and they listed every single celebrity that was in this movie. None of them are the turtles. They actually cast teenagers as the turtles, but they aren't listed because they aren't really names. You've got Paul Rudd. You've got Jackie Chan. You've got uh, Seth Rogen, who's also producing and a handful of other celebrities that are in this movie. And we, I talked about this before with the My Little Pony movie, where you have Emily Blunt, Michael Pena, and Sia and uh, Zoe Saldana, who are all in this movie in like very minor roles. And yet they're the names on the poster, which would lead you to believe that there's some of the ponies. But if you look at the poster, the Emily Blunt character who gets top billing is like 2% of the poster in the bottom right corner with the Michael Pena character. She's you don't even notice her unless you're looking for her. And my point is cast voice actors, save yourself some money, put it in the budget. And no one's going to these movies because if someone's on the fence and they're like, I don't know if I want to see that Ninja Turtles movie. Oh, Paul Rudd's in it. Okay. I guess I'll go see it. He had some validity to this role. No, watch the trailer. If the animated feature looks appealing to you, then you go watch it and you let the voice performances do their thing. Not every actor is a voice actor. We've learned this from Jake Gyllenhaal. He does fine. He performs the role as Jake Gyllenhaal, but he in Spirit Untamed and in Strange Worlds, he's just Jake Gyllenhaal. I'm not going to see Strange World because Jake Gyllenhaal is giving a voice performance. I'm going to see these movies because they look interesting and I will let the, the movie tell me if it was good or not, not whether or not Kim Kardashian was in the Paw Patrol movie, which I can't even tell you which character she was in that movie. Like that entire movie just drove me nuts because it listed like, oh, Jimmy Kimmel, Randall Park, Kim Kardashian, all these celebrities are in this movie. No parent is taking their kid to Paw Patrol just because Kim Kardashian is in it, just because Jimmy Kimmel's in it. They're going to see it because their kid wants to see Paw Patrol and buy toys. That's it. Stop putting celebrities in your movies that don't rely on the celebrity appearance. Scar Wars over. <laughs> now we're going to hear from our friends J and K over at the Fuck My Work Life podcast, and we'll be right back with Justin Henson to talk about Creed 3. <laughs> Working can be such a drag, but it's a necessary evil. What better way to combat the woes of the working world than to commiserate with your fellow man? I'm Jay. And I'm Kay. And we're the hosts of Fuck My Work Life, a comedy podcast where we share people's stories from the workplace. Whether they're funny, weird, scary, or just plain messed up, they're always entertaining and may leave you thinking you don't have it so bad after all. Available on all major podcast platforms. Give us a listen. Your sanity may just depend on it. All right, now I'm all worked up. So we're back and uh, we're going to talk Creed 3. I got I got my warm up in and I am ready to fight. Uh, so 
with Creed 3, we have Michael B. Jordan's directorial debut. We have uh, Michael B. Jordan returning as Adonis Creed. We have Jonathan Majors debuting as Damian Anderson and Tessa Thompson returning as, uh, oh, geez, I'm forgetting her character's name. And I don't Bianca. Know with Bianca, thank you. Uh, as Bianca. Uh, so, gentlemen, uh, I think we're just going to dive into this because the trailer gives us pretty much what we need to know. So the only thing we can really discuss is spoilers. Um, and I don't know if we can really talk about too much of this movie without diving into those spoilers. So uh, let's just get straight into it. Justin, please let us know your thoughts. So this one is one of those that, as you know, I was excited to see this year. Huge Rocky fan. I'm a huge fan of the previous two. I was excited to see Michael B. Jornby on the director's helm on this one. Um, first time. To, and it's a big movie for him. So there is a lot to really look forward to to be taken by surprise with this one. The biggest thing that acting and cast wise I was looking forward to is Jonathan Majors just coming out of Ant-Man. And now he has this other big blockbuster. So looking at his range, there is a lot that I kind of set myself up for when it comes to expectation. This is a movie that completely cut corners and looking and I think we've had discussions on this, too is I was nervous coming out of this movie with seeing the user scores on Rotten Tomato. I don't read reviews um, beforehand, but I do look at the scores. User reviews, critic reviews, they're all extremely high. So I, I've now seen this movie a total of three times to just make sure I get this right. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I want to make sure this is accurate. This almost matches my Elvis watch. I think I saw Elvis four times. But this is a movie that falls to the fate of cutting corners, rushing itself, and giving no substance to what the character developments and where they're going to go. They kind of have this basic plot uh, points, and they hit all the marks, but there's no background. There's nothing to give us invested into these characters, and it makes it so it's almost an artificial emotional romp. So, and there, and don't get me wrong, uh, Michael B. Jordan, he has a lot of good stuff in this. He has a lot of great shots, but they're short and there's a potential there. Um, but the shots that he has that are absolutely impressive and memorable are inappropriately placed throughout the movie where you like his shots, but they don't fit there and you want to see it somewhere else. And I want to go over a shot, but I'm not going to give a spoiler to it. But there's one particular shot that I absolutely fell in love with, but it didn't belong. Um, so there's a lot here, um, emotional-wise, that we'll kind of deep dive, I'm sure. Um, but for me, big disappointment. Alex, how about you? The My primary issue with this movie is that the third act is unearned, is unneeded, needs a completely major rewrite, uh, rewrite and is a complete betrayal of every single theme that leads up to that third act. I thought they were going somewhere vastly different with it. I felt like they were leading to a story moment that would have been nuanced and interesting in the end of the Creed story. I thought maybe that they were trying to do something profound with this ending, especially with some major character death that happens in it. And also with a uh, through storyline that is happening happening from his wife and his child in this movie. Instead, I cannot figure out why they went with the third act they went they went with because it was a complete betrayal. And so once that third act started, I was out of it. 
completely. I, there was no emotional payoff at the ending. There was some fantastic shots that I thought were gorgeously made to try to process some internal trauma that Creed was having with, um, when fighting Damien. But those emotional shots do not make sense for the story that was being told. It's like they reshot the ending really quickly because the movie studio went, what? Uh, that's not the template that you're supposed to be doing, sir. So no, I, I didn't dig this. Um, I'm, I'm kind of in between on how much I like this. I did enjoy it. I do think I liked it more than I liked Creed 2. But I do agree that it is heavily inconsistent with its messaging. And I think that... I was recently on an episode of I Have Some Notes, and I'm, I'm going to kind of borrow from them for this one, uh, which I'll have the the link to the I Have Some Notes episode in the this episode description as well. Um, but I'm going to kind of present to you guys a rewrite that came to mind that I think would have made a structurally better Creed 3, in my opinion. Um, it's not going to fix some of the things that I know, Alex, you're going to bring up with the theming. Um which I, I do have a call out for that one as well, as we we discussed that uh, off air beforehand. Um, but I I kind of it gave me what I was expecting for the most part. But I do agree the fight feels really unearned. And then um, there there's some real world implication stuff that just never really made sense to me because um, to to jump into the third act. um Damien in this movie has two official fights and those are the two fights of his career, apparently. So he, he wins the championship in a fight that's set up by Adonis and his promotion company slash gym. And then he fights Adonis within a year of winning the title. And to, to anyone in the real world, that is sus as hell. Like it, no one's going to no better is going to start looking for investigations into this, that this guy who has ties to Adonis just won the championship. And now Adonis is fighting him for the championship. Like there's a weird disconnect to the real world in that moment. Um, but uh, before I get into that more in depth with this rewrite proposition that I have, I, I do agree that Michael B. Jordan, I think he did a really good job directing. I don't think there is a bad performance from any of his actors. And I think he does a really good job too. Sometimes when a guy is directing or an actor is directing within uh, a movie that they're also directing, I, I don't know what I'm saying now. Uh, sometimes when an actor is also directing, their performance can tend to fall off because they're too distracted. Uh, but in this case, I don't think he there was any fall off. I think he was as consistent as ever. And everyone else gave in some really good performances as well. Uh, but the... The action shots there, there was one shot in the opening fight scene that he almost goes into like bullet time to kind of like showcase how in tune he is with his his fighting. And uh, I thought that was going to come back, which it it kind of did in the final fight for like one brief moment. But I think that needed to get built up. But it kind of it got shoved aside for narrative reasons because they wanted to show uh, the the visual aspect of the, the internal fight that's happening as well as the external fight. So I, I think there, there's some hurt stuff that gets hurt there, but overall I, I did really enjoy this movie. I think it, it kind of almost feels like a movie that they reworked into a Creed movie and it wasn't 
specifically created to be a Creed movie. But then the studio was like, we need this to be part of a franchise. Can we work this into, well, Michael, you're MBJ. You're, you're the one that wants to make this. Can we make it a Creed movie? And he's like, I guess. And I, I think that maybe that could be where some of this disconnect happens is because they're too busy trying to make Creed things happen while they're still trying to make the original movie idea happen. Yeah, I think you make really good points on both of you, actually. Um, it almost feels like a spinoff of a spinoff where it's almost set like a completely different movie. Um, with Creed 1 and 2, there's a huge emotional element to it. This one, to me, is treated more as a popcorn flick where the pacing on it and one thing I will give the, the film credit for, it's never boring. It The pacing is spot on. So constantly we're engaged into the movie. Part of me thinks that that's in hopes to see we're going to see more Creed. We're going to see more nostalgic things from the previous films. But at the end of the day, was it a good time? I did have a great time with it, and I can tear it apart. And I'm going to tear it apart for my nostalgic features of Creed 2 and 1 and the Rocky franchise. It's a separate movie, and it's hard to treat it as a separate movie on where they're trying to go with it. So to me, the disappointment comes from... I think they needed one more movie before jumping the gun into something like this, where we have to go 15 years later. Um, it's an awkward time to go 15 years later for plot points that they don't really focus on. All right. So let, let's dive into spoilers. But before we do, uh, let's give our talking smack rating, which is must see or pass. Uh, I'm going to say it's a must see. I think it it does fall into a, a good rhythm with the Rocky Creed franchises. It may not be as solid as it's definitely not as solid as the first Creed movie. I think it might be a little bit on par with Creed two, but I would say it's a, it's a must see. Uh, I guess I'll call someone out to, <laughs> to give a score. Uh, Alex, you've been quiet for a bit. Let's, let's hear your rating. There's this thing called fridge moments. It's when you've watched a movie, you've enjoyed it, you've invested in it. And then you get home or you leave the couch and you go to your fridge and while you're looking for something to eat, you go, wait a moment. That didn't quite make sense. Creed uh, fridge moments happened while I was standing up <laughs> to leave the theater and they haven't stopped. So for me, it's a pass. Yes, I was enjoying it in the moment and I was, in, I was enjoying watching it. But the second the credits rolled, I went, wait a moment. And it hasn't stopped in the last 72 hours. <laughs> Justin, how about you? For me, it's going to be a very slight pass, very slightly. All right. Um, so before we dive into spoilers, um, do you guys think Michael B. Jordan has a future as a director? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, his bullet time sequence at the beginning, which they did bring back with um, Kang's fight with Felix. Um, you saw <laughs> Kang focusing in on all the sh um, on all the weak points and him, you know, smashing him. The nice, lovely bullet time of him elbowing the guy in the face to cause his, you know, his cheek to blow up and stuff like that. Um, I, I thought that the end fight between him and uh, uh, between Creed and Damien was beautiful. Um, I really liked the subconscious working through emotional trauma moments that were happening yes. during that, where they were like, the audience goes away and it's nothing but mist in them. And then there's gel cells and bedrooms and beating pillows and they're young and they're fighting each other young and old. Yeah. I thought, oh, that was lovely. Um, that was, that was very clearly like Ryan Coogler inspired because that, that took oh, yeah. me right back to Creed one. 
Oh, yeah. No, I think he is a very competent director who, for his first feature, looked at boxing movies and went, how do I make this have a bit of uh, psychological um, development? And so, he, yeah. he, he did also say that he was inspired to use like anime as uh, a mode of expression in this as well, which you can kind of see with the bullet time stuff and the, I took knowing that going in, I, I, that's what I took the, uh, like the bullet time fight moments with, um, Damien's first fight against, uh, Felix. Uh, I took that anime inspiration for that fight. And I was like, okay, I see what he's doing. You've got those impactful moments that you're, you're slowing down to really drive home the fact like, this is an important thing. Um, but I, I did like the bullet time stuff, uh, thematically, I think with Donnie, he only did it the three times he did it the two times to, uh, inspect the guy's weaknesses in the first fight. And then it came back for that one moment. And I feel like you, you needed to bring it back gradually throughout that fight. But again, it, it kind of got pushed aside for the, the Kugler experiences. I would, I'll call it here. Uh, where like the the entire audience disappears and you get the the th- themes of the fight and the the subconscious battle going on as well as the physical battle. Yeah. I think with him like I said he has some great shots in this but one thing and it's his first time on the director's scene does a fantastic job. The one thing he needs to really watch is overutilizing a lot of these uh effects like the bullet effects or the smoke that we see towards the fight. And remember, we're seeing this raw emotional that they're trying to convince us of, this internal conflict, and utilizing a lot of the uh, practical shots of just pure raw emotion and using that in his camera angle shots. He has some great wide angle shots, but he utilizes the up-close shots way too much to give that artificial uh, emotion, that intimate conflict. He needs to take a step back a little bit and take the audience on that environment and include that in his shots. I think that's where we get that fast paced motion that we got with this film is that it was too in your face. He needs to just take that camera back and just invite the audience into that environment. All right, well, let's start diving into spoilers here. Uh, Alex, I know you have a, a laundry list of things to get into from the the pre-show discord discussion we had. So let's let's start with you. So my issue with this movie is I, I do have a I have some notes style thing that I'll let you do yours first, but I'm going to point out my issues. Number one is that they completely abandon his daughter's storyline. There's this lovely storyline where she is in a school for children like herself that are um, deaf. They continue they continue that storyline beautifully with you know Bianca having developed it. Then I believe it was the second movie where it turns out their daughter um, has developed uh, was born with that genetic uh, that genetic issue as well. And the school's beautiful. The house is lovely because when the, like a doorbell rings or there's any sound, the lights change colors to signify what's going on throughout the house. They really integrate that into their life and story, and it's beautiful moment of representation the problem becomes is that he and bianca have several moments where like listen your daughter's being bullied and she immediately starts to fight and then you she you, we need to teach her how to express emotions without that pain without how to express herself without the physicality and he's like well that's what i've done all my life and she's like yeah and you retired and then they completely ignore that to have at the end of the movie this sweet shot of her in the ring with him like fighting like you know they're boxing it's, it's cute 
but they never resolve how do they teach their, their daughter to have this emotional moment. That is again carried through in when Felicia Richard, who does an amazing job as uh, Mama Creed, she passes on and it's this heart-wrenching moment where as she's passing on from the stroke, she's talking to Adonis and then starts talking to Apollo. And I've had some family members who have passed away from dementia and stuff like that, who they've had that happen, um, where they're just other people. They don't see you anymore. They see something else within you. And she was telling him as Adonis, but also in Creed that like, you know, you left me to keep fighting. And then Adonis, you can choose a different path. You need to choose a different path. You are not your father. You can think differently. And that also is a thing that carried over with Bianca, where Bianca's telling him, I need to know who you are. You're not a fighter anymore. You need to have emotional moments with me. You need to have emotional moments with your daughter. You can't be constantly rage. And then there's also that Felix, his fighter, got the crap beat out of him. They told him to stay away from the hospital and to stay away from the gym. And Felix is abandoned until he gives a thumbs up at the end of the movie where he's in the crowd. What happened to Felix? That's clearly a test screening item where people didn't understand that he was okay. Yeah, and no, so they, they just put him in there to be like, hey, look, there he is. Yeah, <laughs> He's not dead. More screen time is given to Drago and his injured hand than is given to this other boxer who was beaten basically to death in the ring. Those are all thrown out for an ending in which Creed, after one fight, um, where in which um, Damien wins one fight, Creed suddenly looks at Bianca and goes, he's taking everything. I have to fight him. And she goes, sounds great. What is this everything that he took? He didn't take your house. He didn't take your wife. You know, they were kind of hinting that he was trying to do that. He didn't take your kid who he was trying to like kind of learn sign language to communicate with. He didn't take your business. He didn't take your car. What did he take? What are you taking back from him? If there had been, no, I'm going to, that's the, I have some notes part. So that's the problem I have is they had all these things building up to a different kind of Creed movie about emotional growth and performance and education and mentorship. They even were doing that with Felix for Felix. You got to stop chewing up people. You got to fight smarter. You can't just fight brutally. They abandoned all of that to go into a training montage and he fights his friend. That is the problems that I have is the themes are ignored for a template ending that we have seen from every single boxing and Rocky movie. Now, here's the thing. If Creed had gotten into that ring and he had lost and we had had our cool runnings ending, that would have made me actually happy because Cool Runnings is one of the few movies that exists that you follow the underdog the entire time and they lose and it is earned and it is beautiful. And I love Cool Runnings because it shows the truth that yes, just because you're underdog doesn't mean you win the gold, you win the boxing match. It sometimes just means you finish. So you swerved on me. I thought you were going to go cars three and I was like, we're not doing that. <laughs> Wait till we have some notes. <laughs> uh, Justin, how about you? Some, some more spoilerific thoughts. I think Alex focused a lot on it too, which would be the daughter aspect of it. I think that was my biggest miss. And well, I shouldn't say the biggest miss, but Mila Davis Kent, who plays the daughter Amara, she does 
a fantastic job. Um, and I honestly wanted to see more of her and I wanted to see more of that family story. And I think that would have helped this movie so much is focusing on the family element. And then the audience can connect to that when everything goes to hell in the second half of the movie. Um, and I think my biggest problem when I speak about Creed three is I didn't really have an emotional attachment to it because of all the cut corners. And Alex spoke to a lot of those um, and especially going into the fight scene. And I didn't feel a reward going into it. And you have that shot at the end of the two sitting down together. And again, it's that it's that force we talk about, like we were joking about the Rocketeer, but I use that movie quite a bit. And it's one of my childhood favorites too. But we look at, if we look at it as adults now, we have a movie that has a great hero element to it, a great character. Um, you have little to no character development. They kind of stay the same between Cliff, I think his name is, if I remember correctly. And then you get to the end where you have this five minute moment where you have the mobsters against the Nazis and the cops against uh, teaming up with the mobsters. And then you have, uh, Servino's uh, mobster character go one single line, which is, I don't work for no two bit Nazi. And then he looks at this guy after the rocketeer takes off and says, go get him, kid. That is the moment that gives us that feel good moment. And that could have saved this movie. And this is what this movie tries to do with that sit down is get that one final attempt to connect with the audience. But it is far gone and far too late. Um, and a lot of movies do that. And this movie tried way too late to win over the audience. And that's was my biggest disappointment. All right. With that, I'm going to get into my fix. Um, so the movie starts in 2017 with the, the broadcasters talking about how this is going to be Creed's final match. We fast forward to three years later, he's got a successful uh, promotion business. He's got a, a new protege in Felix and Damien shows up out of nowhere and chaos ensues. Uh, he he almost tries to like single white female him, but it's it's not quite to that length uh, because the movie doesn't let that happen. So what my my proposal is, is that instead of jumping three years into the future, just jump a year. Have Damien show up as he's got a he's trying to start up his promotion business now that he's a retired champ. And you can condense the first hour to hour and like 20 minutes of this movie into 30, 40 minutes you can do a lot of that stuff in in a shorter amount of time and you can build up to the fight with Damien versus Felix. And at the end of that first 30 to 40 minutes, Damien wins the championship. And then you kind of montage a little bit over the next two years where you show Damien winning and destroying the boxing world, because one of the things this movie fails to do is really set up Damien as a physical threat and that's what we're here for is to see a boxing match. So we need to see what Damien actually has, because to my point earlier in the real world, Damien wins the title from uh, this is a, a kind of a win win for uh, Adonis because his best friend, childhood best friend, either wins the championship, which again is really sus or his protege wins and he makes his best friend look like a complete shithead, but he makes his guy look good. It's a win-win for Donnie, but the worst case scenario happens where Damien wins. And then within that same calendar year, Adonis challenges him and wins the titles back, which just screams all sorts of collusion to me in a real world setting. 
like that that broke my suspension of disbelief. I I just I could not get immersed into that idea that bookies among other people and the the Federal Trade Commission would not get involved in this because it, everything about it just screams something is rigged here, which we're talking about boxing, which is already like the most rigged sport there is. So I, I think you need to establish Damien as a threat and you need to do it in a longer span of time because you have a one and O champion who's going up against a guy coming out of retirement to defend his title. And it, it just, it doesn't work for me. And then I think again, to set up uh, stakes in the final fight, because the idea is you're building up to the fight. So like you can still do the subplots of the daughter, or if you really want to, you can have Damien kind of like creeping in as, uh, as he's continuing to build his record in, in the boxing world you can have Donnie become more and more distant from his family. And that can be your emotional hook is that he, he kind of needs the fight to be who he wants to be for his family. And you can also make it that Damien is just playing hell with him because no promoters will work with him anymore because they thought that he brought in a ringer to make Felix look good. And now all of a sudden, he he's got guys that aren't working with him because he thinks he puts them in dangerous situations. Um, but in the final fight, because we've established that Damien fights kind of dirty, you, you have him start off doing that. But as the fight progresses, you kind of have him pull back and not fight as dirty. And he just wants to have an outright brawl and see who the better man is because Damien's fight is more with you stole what could have been for me. And I don't have as much time. So not only is he fighting Donnie in in the sense of you took everything from me because you made a stupid decision when we were young. It's also I need to prove that even though I am as a character older than you, I am still better than you. And I think there's an emotional hook that you can really work in with that. Uh, But then he pulls back the dirty fighting because, again, he's trying to prove that he's better and that he but he also still respects Donnie because they the one thing this movie does that's really kind of tonal whiplash is that they're like, Oh, we were best friends. We're buds. And I, but I hate you right now because you were a shithead to me recently or 15 years ago. And I think you can kind of work that into a more streamlined process in a final fight like that, where he starts fighting dirty because he's going to beat the shit out of him because that's what he's going to do into. I need him to respect me. He doesn't respect me because he doesn't think I earned this. And you can have the the winner of the fight be whoever you really want to narratively. I think it works either way. But that's kind of my fix. Reboot the reboot. I love that. (laughs) So my fix is this. Keep everything exactly the same until we get to the passing of Mama Creed and Damien calling him out. And then we start Creed, Creed uh, Cars 3. <laughs> <laughs> so what happens is Creed goes back to his gym to make up with Duke instead of Duke just showing up being like, I'm training you now, even though Duke told him this is your fault. Get the hell away from me. Don't talk to anybody ever again. And yet he's there. So we he goes back to the gym. And he's like, I have to make this right. And he has to make it up to Felix, who is his chosen person, who he is working on. So he goes up to Felix and he's like, I'm going to work with you and Drago to make this right. So he goes with him and this is about training Felix 
to learn how to fight Damien. You have to be able to control your emotions. As he's doing that, he is showing his daughter, I am learning. My initial reaction, my initial thought, my initial power is to go after him myself. But you can't do that when you're dealing with a bully. Sometimes you have to show a different face. You have to show a different look. So he's actually carrying forward not only what Mama Creed said to him, Bianca said to him, his daughter said to him. I mean, his daughter's concern, her storyline. So the movie is about him training up Felix and also and also getting Drago, his hand fixed up. So and as this is happening, Damien is actually winning matches because they're already established. And in the real world, um, MMA fighters and boxers fight at most three to four times a year. So Damien sets up another fight. It gives the six months or so the Drago needs to have his hand fixed um, that was broken. Felix is out of the hospital. He's training the guys up because you one of you two is going to be the one to fight him. My preference would be the end of the movie. It's being Felix or it's being Drago. Um, that's the other alternative you can have. But it has Creed with his family on the sidelines, having chosen a different path for this to teach his daughter about how to deal with her emotional reactions, his own emotions of I'm going to savagely beat somebody for offending me. And he's on the sidelines watching somebody he trained. He gave his spirit. He gave his, uh, he gave his training to, to defeat this new enemy, this person that he unleashed on the world. That is what I think the end of the movie should have been. Now, if you have to go the Hollywood way and you have to have Creed, the one in, in the ring, what you do is simple fix. That same stuff is still happening, but Felix and Drago re get re-injured. They're pushing themselves too hard. Creed's being a little too much. He's the one in the ring training them as their partner because they obviously need one. And he has to step in and do the fight at the end. But he's learned his emotional journey to get there. He's earned it. I, I like that. I think the only thing uh, we are basically just turning this into it. I have some notes. Um, we're not aping you guys, I promise. Uh, the only thing I would change is I would let Drago and Felix have another go at Damien or have a go at exactly. Damien in Drago's case and have Damien win because you need to establish the threat. Yeah. Like, yeah, he fight. Okay. If the threat is he fights dirty, you need to establish that more because again, the movie he, he does has those like arm uh, shoulder shots that he has early on in the fight. And then we just never see it again because the narrative of the, the internal, struggle of I'm fighting my best friend takes the narrative reins instead of the physical encounter. Yep. And I agree with that. That's where I think that um, part of that whole, like um, Damien is such a threat and fights dirty is as they're being trained, he takes a few more fights and they show those wins. Those wins are with him getting knocked for points. Those wins are with him savagely leaving a streak of people in his wake. That's kind of like Rocky four. Um, I believe Rocky Four starts with uh, Drago actually killing Apollo Creed in the in the ring, um, yep. and they, I think they even mentioned that he has like killed one or two other people or something like that. That uh, as his way up. I mean, you don't need to go so far as Damien's actually killing people, but you have each person that you know. Damien now four and oh, fourth person in a row let out of the stretcher as he's in the ring, kind of thing. You establish that. That's his dirty fighting style is literally breaking people. You know, as Drago said, I will break you. <laughs> so you have that. My preference would be Felix in the ring at the end, Creed on the side, and watching someone he mentored, who he changed, who he educated, to be the one who defeats his past for him by taking that different path. Justin, any feedback? Yeah. I mean, 
kind of almost a mix of both of it. But what I would have loved to see is, again, fast forwarding 15 years and make that relevant. Almost an internal conflict of Creed, what he's dealing with on his everyday life when it comes to his family, introducing uh, Jonathan Major's character. But I think that should have been more entered towards the second half of the movie, where it establish, establishes a foundation of that family, where it actually creates a more emotional threat. Um, and then this new entity comes in where we have Creed that has this secret uh, past or this undisclosed past or whatever it may be, this dark past. And I would have had that be the second half of the movie where he's training this new fighter. And I, I agree, this should have been surrounded that new fighter where he has to make a choice between who he's going to root for, whether it's his best friend, whether it's out of guilt, whether it's that new player, and whether is he showing the example to his daughter? Because if you take a lot of the Rocky movies and the first Creed movie, there is a big, heavy message and theme. This one doesn't have that. And I think it was a missed opportunity um, not focusing on that because this would have created a big finale where um, at the end of the fight, there doesn't have to be a winner. We don't care. We're, we just want to root for the overall messaging. You take the first Creed or the first Rocky or whatever it may be. Audiences aren't looking for the winner. They're looking for someone to cheer for um, on an actual moral message. Um, you talk about cool runnings. They didn't win, but you know what? We're cheering for them anyway. That's what this movie is missing. And it's all about the foundation in the beginning and the emotional attachment. That's what they should have done. Um, and I think this one out of the story by Ryan Coogler, the story was there, but I think Keenan Coogler and I, uh, Zach Balin, I believe it is. I don't think they went into depth on it. Um, and I think they were rushed it. And I do think that there was a little bit of studio meddling in it, especially going into the second half, being a new time director. Yeah, and I, I really liked what Alex was talking about with him, with Creed rushing into the fight with uh, Damien at the end, because it, it kind of does just mirror the same mistake he made. But this time he doesn't get in trouble for it because it's a sanctioned boxing match. Mm -hmm. uh, when he challenges Damien to the fight, he's on ESPN, which like I don't like Stephen A. Smith. I, I think he's really <laughs> abrasive. And the minute and I'm not even just saying like because of my dislike for Stephen A. Smith uh, as as the character on ESPN, I don't think that's his actual personality. I think that's just him putting on a personality for the TV cameras. But like the minute he shows up on camera, I feel like everything in the story just starts to decline, not just because I, I don't like the guy as far as like being a TV personality, but because the movie just takes a really it, it just becomes a Rocky montage at that point which it, that's what I'm here for, but it doesn't fit with the movie. And like Alex said, it, the, the whole point is he beat someone up outside of a, or not someone, but like a, an abusive foster parent outside of a bar one day or not a bar, a, a liquor store. And it, because he could, he, he saw him. He just went blind with rage. He's like, Hey, you remember me? And just started beating the crap out of him. And he ran when, uh, Damien tried to come in and break up the scuffle and Damien essentially got in trouble for the fight uh, while also having a gun on him and having previous uh, felonies on him. Uh, and then with the Stephen A. Smith thing, Damien calls and antagonizes him and Creed basically just comes out and says, okay, fine, let's fight. 
and it's the, it's pretty much a mirror image of what's happening. He's just older. And in that moment, it really doesn't come across that he's learned anything. So I, I like a lot of what Alex has to say with that. Um, as far as like being a popcorn film, it didn't click with me at the time. I was just there for waiting for the fight. But once we got to the fight, I really didn't feel like there were any stakes. There was no tension as to whether who was going to win. Uh, usually a Rocky movie has a pretty good uh, ability to make those moments be like, is, can he win? Is he going to win? But they, they chose to go with a more nuanced visual storytelling guide for the movie rather than just like, Oh man, his eye is swollen shut and we need to cut it open. Or just like, uh, did either of you cringe when, uh, Damien had that mouth guard pull out? Oh in the yeah. First yeah. Ooh, yeah. That yes. was, that was, and his teeth came out. Well, I was trying to avoid that. <laughs> I yeah. wanted that to be a surprise for someone. Like if they hadn't uh, seen it, they're going to see it on our recommendation. Now they're going to know something <laughs> happens. Like, Oh, what's, what's this thing with the mouth guard? Ha ha. <laughs> So I have a random question. Um, 42. Thank you. I knew that was the answer. Um, so Damien has a, um, an ankle bracelet, right? His parole officer is supposed to like, he's only supposed to go to like approved places and stuff like that. Is, is his parole officer not at all concerned that he's hanging out on the beach with a bunch of other people at like 1am with guns? <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't this have been solved by Creed picking up the phone going like, Hey, yeah, I'm on the beach. Yeah. You know, your guys here. Um, he has, he's hanging out with a bunch of people with guns. I'm pretty sure that's a felony. <laughs> uh, I mean, he's in LA, so he probably <laughs> just slipped his parole officer some money and let him come to the beach with him. Perfect. <laughs> that's very true. So there's just one little thing is like when, you know, the whole, everyone has guns and he like picks up the gun on like off the ground or something like that. I was like, man, call the cops. Just do it right now. This movie's over. <laughs> Am I the only one that had a problem with the montage of him pulling the plane? I thought that was interesting, but yeah, it was, it, it was very reminiscent of Rocky four pulling the sled through the snow kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I wasn't a fan of the montage either. That one kind yeah. of troubled me a little bit. I didn't, I think it was just kind of almost filler in the movie yeah. without any context. Yeah. It, we've seen a lot of the LA stuff before and like him getting to the top of the Hollywood sign wasn't quite the same as Rocky and Creed yeah. getting to the top, top of the steps at the, the Capitol building in Philadelphia. There's so many parts of that movie are good. Like I really enjoyed the cinematography. I enjoyed the Christmas of it. I like, I really enjoyed the way they integrated um, his, uh, the family's deafness into it with the lights and all that stuff. And that came back during the, actually the boxing ring at the end, those purple and green lights of like doorbells and stuff were shining. Um, I really enjoyed um, the way that Felix's um, culture was brought into it, especially like his walkout outfit and the music. And, you know, they're, they're constantly referring to this person as his trainer. And then out of some, out of nowhere, he goes, mom should i take this fight and she's like yeah i was like i knew it was his mom <laughs> no I, I really enjoyed so many aspects of this movie i just wish at the hour you know the hour 35 minute mark that they had just gone a different direction yeah i, I totally agree uh, it's one of those and again it's one of those that we'll probably look at when it hits streaming and we'll appreciate all the little things but it's one of those that it has so movie, so many movies behind it, so many expectations to it. Um, this one is a hard one for Michael B. Jordan to take on. The writers, when it comes to uh, Keenan Kugler and uh, Zach Balin, 
I think that's where the real miss was on it. Um, but I, it's one of those that admittedly I will revisit. I will watch it because it is, like I said before, entertaining. Um, but it is not going to stay top of mind when it comes to the rockier Creed franchise. Agreed. I, I think it's definitely lower tier. This is the what? 10th Rocky movie or mm-hmm. ninth, ninth, yeah, ninth. Cause there's Rocky five. Then you get to Rocky Balboa and then it, we wait a while and we get to Creed. So yeah. Um, ninth movie. I would definitely say this is probably, I, I would say probably seventh or eighth on that list. Agreed. Yep. That being said, I still don't think it's as bad as Rocky five. And uh, to Justin's point, I think it's, it's still enjoyable on a rewatch. I just don't know that it's, it's one of those movies that you're going to sit down and be like, I'm going to appreciate cinema right now. Although I do think this is going to be a movie that if Michael B. Jordan continues to pursue directing gigs, I think this is going to be a, a blueprint movie for him. And I think that it, it does do some really good things with it. Yeah, there are definitely there are just definitely moments in there where I was like, I appreciate what he is doing to integrate um, the story into this. And there are some moments I just, I really like. I, I did like the last fight. I did not expect the, the emotional impact of the changing of the sets and all that stuff. It was really gorgeous to watch. It was really yeah. cool. But then at the same time, it was really jarring to come out of that moment and be like, Oh, we've gone 10 more rounds. Yeah. And that that's kind of where I was going with with the inappropriate kind of shot placement. I loved that shot, but I think the timing of it and just going into that shot and then coming out of it was just so unbalanced. But I, it's just one of those that I love to look at, but I don't think it deserved to be there. I, I think it, it could have been there if they had just said, OK, that's the end of round two. Because another another thing with boxing, I've shit on it. I don't watch it, but like it's a war of attrition. It It's a fight that is meant to go for a, an extended period of time. And I think we really missed that as an audience because, again, it, it, you just jump from round two to round 12 and you get the end of the fight. And it just it it didn't feel quite right. I, I don't want to say right as in it's a right or wrong. But it, it wasn't it wasn't snug. It maybe is a better word to, to in transition as well. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we have aped enough on I have some notes and uh, <laughs> we, we've come up with some good fixes. Hopefully, if they ever do this movie in the future, they can reference this episode and be like, hey, these guys had some great ideas. Let's let's uh, just write those off and put them in a box somewhere for down the line or just invite them on. Um, Because, you know, we're always down for more guest episodes. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, With that, we will start wrapping up here. Uh, Justin, feel free to share your socials and podcasts again. Yeah, you can check me out on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd at MovieWire Show. And you can follow and listen at anywhere you listen to podcasts at the MovieWire. Alex, do you want to pimp our Discord and the uh, Oscar pool? Of course. Uh, our Discord is at tsmackpod at gmail.com. And currently we have, based on our bonus episode, opened up a channel so that you can do an Oscar pool. Justin and I, if we are not drunk, may actually be in the chat as the Oscars are going on, completely crapping on every pick they make. I expect you to be in the chat <laughs> exclusively drunk. No, I will be drunk. Oh, perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
Yeah, you, you can't be in the chat unless you are drunk. Justin and Alex can't be in the chat unless they are drunk. Well, I'm getting a new bottle of Buffalo Trace whiskey. Uh, sorry, Buffalo Trace bourbon this week. So <laughs> got to crack that open. At five o'clock, I will be exactly a six pack in. <laughs> Buffalo, Buffalo whiskey, not a sponsor, but could be. Exactly. <laughs> also looking at you, Aviation Gin. I like your stuff. Please give me some money and I'll, I'll pimp it out some more. Uh, uh, Mint Mobile, uh, my wife and I love Welcome to Wrexham. You know, I, we're excited for any of Ryan that. Reynolds, please just give us money. <laughs> exactly. Uh, if you liked Creed, you can feel free to email us at tsmackpod at gmail.com. Let us know what you liked. If if there's stuff you didn't like, let us know. Uh, if you're going to see a movie we're going to go see, you can send us reviews either on Twitter at TalkingSmackPod or you can email us again at tsmackpod at gmail.com. Uh, thank you to Leo Allen for our musical themes. Thank you to Beppo for all of our original avatars. Thank you to Retro Ale Studios for our Ricky avatar. Please like, subscribe, rate, review the podcast on your podcatcher of choice. And everyone, thank you so much for listening. Justin, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, guys. Always a pleasure. Alex, thank you again, as always, for being here. And uh, you've started taking up some editing duties. So you're yeah, like yeah. finally earning your keep. Oh, yeah. I'm excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> but most importantly, thank you to everyone for listening. Take care, and we will see you soon. Bye. Because here, they are magic, or whatever the fuck <laughs> says. Exactly. Watch Star Trek. loves T-Smack. I love T-Smack. Is it true? Mm-hmm. I do, I do. Ew.